Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to 2 Kings chapter 4. We read this this morning. We're going to take up this evening's tithes and offerings. But um, we picked it up a little bit down in the chapter about, um, oh, I say about verse 6. But uh, I didn't read verse 1 through 6. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now, there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou hast knowest not that thy servant did fear the Lord, and that the... Uh, the creditor has come to take him and my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house except a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all the vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, There is not another vessel, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay the debt, and live, that thou's children also may have rest. So sometimes your prosperity is within your hands. You say amen. Like I was talking to Miss Teresa the other day, and she was talking about a little bit about business, and she said she'd been on the phone with some people, and she thought about maybe doing a keto kitchen or something like that. And so she made a keto um, Cheesecake that we thoroughly enjoyed yesterday. Praise God. Amen. It was pretty good. So sometimes with what's in your hands is your prosperity or the skills that you have. If you don't have skills, get some skills. Can you say amen? Yeah. And this was a sustaining, this was a sustaining miracle. Hello. As she poured into one vessel the oil that she had. Hello. She, what she had, not what she didn't have, what she had. Come on. God never asked you what you don't have. But also, he said, the prophet said, go and borrow as many as you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And God multiplied it, and she was actually able to pay off the debt. So sometimes, look at what you have. Amen. Because sometimes your answer is with with what you have, the skill set which you have. Okay. So, like, for example, you know, um, I was meditating and Pastor Marie and I were talking about, you know, we've been in business for ourselves for, like, ever since I was, like, 21 years old, 22 years old. So how did I go into business for myself? Well, at that time, I was working for a developer, Benerson Development, out of New York. And, um, and at one time, when I was about 19 years old, when I was 19, I worked as a security officer at West Shore Mall. Yeah, my very first day at the mall, the bank got robbed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious. The bank got robbed the very first day. 
And I, and I was in some dress shoes, and I'd already been like 12 hours walking around the hall. And then all of a sudden, the guy that was supposed to relieve me didn't show up. So guess who's working the evening shift? Yeah, me and another guy, right? And then all of a sudden, over the radio, I hear this code 10, code 10, code 10 bank robbery. So we're running through the parking lot and all that kind of stuff. And I ran through the bank area. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a guy spread eagle. Another armed officer had his gun drawn on the guy. And the money bag blew up. And there's ink everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And he's like to me, handcuff him. I'm like, what do you mean cuff him? It's my first day on the job and the bank got robbed. Hello, what do you mean cuff him? Come on, hello. I mean, at that time I wasn't armed. I didn't have a billy club. I didn't have nothing. Cuff him. So and then he, he robbed the bank with a knife. And then when it was all done and said, the police showed up and everything. And all of a sudden I see this special unit. And on the side it said bomb squad. And what happened was, is not only did he rob the bank with a knife, but he also had a box that said bomb on it, and it was on the counter, the same where I ran through. <laughs> Stick with us. You'll never be bored. Ever. There's never a boring moment. Never be bored. Ever. And so, watch this. So I've had some training, a little bit of training with that. Now I have a business. Isn't that interesting? And then I learned how to do janitorial work because I was a night maintenance guy at, two, at this outlet mall for a long period of time. And then I learned how to do windows. I learned how to you know, vacuum. I learned how to clean. I know how to do floor, wax and strip floors. And I learned all of that. And then when I was like 21 years old, I had lost my job to someone who was in his 40s. And so I started a cleaning business with $50, $50 and less. And my first business was Clearview Window Cleaning Service. Because I saw a guy at one of the shopping centers who was cleaning windows. And at that time, I think I was only making maybe 350 bucks a week or something like that. So I asked him, I said, how much money do you make cleaning windows? He said, I make six to $700 a week. I said, a week? Now, in the late 80s, that's, that's pretty good. Early 90s, that's pretty good. Even today, that's pretty good, six to $700 a week. Cash money. So when I had lost my jobs, I, my job, I got my business card. I got business card. I, I tried to get another job, just couldn't get another job. And so Pastor Marie had to go to work. And then um, I got a thousand business, business cards. And every night for, for 30 days, me, Marie, and her two sons, we went out to these shopping centers. And I would put the price of what I would do the windows for inside and out. And I would stick it on the door. So within 30 days, I actually made up enough income that her, her secondary income Paid our bills. So sometimes it's what you have in your hand. It's the skill set. Or learn a skill set that actually gets you into the area of prosperity. And it gets you into the area of miracles. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So you have the wherewithal. You just have to ask the Lord. You know? And sometimes you just got to do something you just don't like to do. Can't be stubborn. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, we're all things. There are a lot of things that we don't like to do, but you just got to do them. Can you say, man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to wonder sometimes, what is it within what's in my ability? Come on, how? Sometimes it's within your, it's within the ability that God's given you. Your prosperity is there. Can you say, man? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
I'm kind of excited a little bit what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. I'm going to talk to you about the book of Acts, the blueprint for the church. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 29.9, please. I'm going to start there. Isaiah 29.9. And then hold your finger there and go to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. And while you're turning, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. Give me words of utterance. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let us see what we cannot see. And let us hear what we cannot hear. That what you want to speak to us about. The blueprint of the church today. And the way it really supposed to look like. We just thank you for it, Father. Thank you right now in Jesus' name. For signs and wonders and miracles. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Numbers 21. And then hold your finger at, at Isaiah 29.9. Okay, so we're going to read Numbers 21.15 through 17. Back it up a little bit to verse 14. Wherefore it is said of the brook of the wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Ammon, and at the stream of the brooks that goeth down to the dwelling of Ar, and lieth upon the border of Moab, and from whence they went to, what does it say? Beer. They went to beer. Okay, so keep that in mind. A place called beer. That is the whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. What do you do with water? You drink it. So you have to understand that Satan is a counterfeiter. Where do you think the term beer came from? came from the Word of God. Isn't that something? How many have ever read this scripture before? Is this the first time you've ever seen this scripture? Okay. So where do you get, where did that song come? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Open prison doors sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, a well. Right? Verse 17. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, a well. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. When you drink beer in the natural and you drink enough of it, what happens? <laughs> That's the after effects. That's the after effects. Pastor didn't say, what's the after effects? <laughs> no, but when you drink enough beer in the natural, what happens? Yeah. Is Satan a counterfeiter? Come on, talk to me. Is Satan a counterfeiter? Right, he's a counterfeiter, right? Is Satan a creator? No, he doesn't create anything. Does he pervert everything of God and twist everything from God? Does he appear as an angel of light at times? Absolutely. Is his whole purpose is to kill, steal, and to destroy? Absolutely. His whole purpose is to derail you and humanity off the plans and purposes of God. Somebody ought to put that on Facebook. Satan's plan is to destroy people from their plans, purposes, and pursuits. Can you say amen? All right, so keep that in mind. They went to beer. Now go to Isaiah 29 verse 9. 
Isaiah 29, verse 9. Out of the amplified version of the Bible. Who has an amplified version of the Bible? Can I see your hand? How many have an amplified version? All right, Andrea, I want you to read the amplified version of Isaiah 29, verse 9. Stop and wonder at this prophecy if you choose. Whether you understand it or not, soon you will witness the actual event and be confounded reluctantly. Blind yourself now if you choose. Take your pleasure and then be blinded at the actual occurrence. They are drunk, but not from wine. They stagger, but not from strong drink, but from spiritual stupor. Stop and wonder at this prophecy if you choose whether you understand or not. Soon you will witness the actual event and be confounded reluctantly. Blind yourself now if you choose, but then be blinded at the actual occurrence. They are drunk, but not from wine. They stagger, but not from strong drink, but from spiritual stupor. The next verse says, And the Lord has poured upon them a spirit of deep sleep. Okay, so you have Numbers chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. It says, And they went to beer in which there was a river. It was a spring. Springs turn into rivers, right? Do springs turn into rivers? And then Israel sang the song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. So they went to beer. When you drink beer in the natural, what happens to you? You get drunk. You get intoxicated. Isn't that right? People drink beer in the natural, and they continue to drink it, and they can't actually get rid of it. It turns into addictions. How many marriages, how many families, how many people have died from drunken driving? When Satan causes an earthquake in the natural, people die. But when God causes an earthquake in a jail, people's bonds get set free. Chains fall off and prison doors open. It's the exact opposite. Now, go to the book of Acts chapter 1, if you would, please. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. Luke was a doctor. How would you like to have a doctor on your ministry team to check out every healing that ever took place in your ministry? And that's what happened. Luke would check out. Yep, this one's been totally healed. It's miraculous. I'll even sign the paper. He'd say Amen. Theopolis was a, was a, what do you call a scribe? A scribe. Yeah, who would scribe or translate or whatever or write down what was being said. So Acts 1.1 says this, The former treaties I have made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Is that what it says? Do and teach in your Bible? Yes? So that means he not only just talked, but he also performed miracles, signs, and wonders. Did he not do that, right? Right? 
Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he did 2,000 years ago, he's doing today. But what we're talking about tonight is what is the blueprint for the church? What is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ supposed to look like? I wonder if there's more an emphasis on the light shows, the smoke machines, and the coffee bars than there is a display of signs, wonders, and miracles where demons come out of people and the blind seeing and the deaf walking, I mean the deaf hearing and the lame walking. Talk about a show. So maybe because there is a lack of the supernatural in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in the United States of America, we have to settle for substitutes and entertainment. Come on, hello somebody, and light shows. I remember when we were in Tulsa many years ago, and Steve Hill from the Brownsville Revival came, and he rented the Tulsa Convention Center. And so we're sitting And he's preaching, and all of a sudden this family comes in. And oh, by the way, they had the concession stands open. And so this family walks in. It was almost like they were going to a 3D movie. They all came in with their popcorn. Popcorn, Cracker Jacks, hot dogs. Get your popcorn, Cracker Jacks, and Cokes. And they all sat down during praise and worship, right down from us. And they're... Yes? Yes. As the preacher's preaching the gospel. It's almost like they came in and sat on a movie or something. I kind of wonder today, these things are happening in the churches of the United States of America due to the fact we have all these things that we have to do to try to reach people and all that kind of stuff. And he said, well, maybe we just ought to pray a little bit more. And maybe we ought to display the power of God more. I mean, I guarantee you, if there was a day that came and all of a sudden dead people were coming into this place, they just had a funeral, they brought the body over here, we raised them up, I guarantee you this place would now be packed. People would be waiting, trying to get in here. And I'm thinking, does it, is it going to take that today? Is it going to take that kind of miraculous power, that supernatural power of displays of God's glory to actually really wake the church up into reality of what it's really like today? Because when you look in the book of Acts here, you don't see... You know, Peter, strike up that hymn. You know. Apostle Paul, sing that hymn one more time. Not that we don't need these things. Come on, and things like that. I mean, our team is pretty awesome. We have a pretty awesome worship team, I was going to tell you. They love God. There's no Lucifer syndrome on there. Praise God. Amen. And they're all, and they're all serving God with all their hearts. Amen. No, no hidden motives. No performers. Come on now. We got praisers and worshipers. So I'm not talking about, I'm talking about what the, the, the church is supposed to look like today. And it's been 2,000 years. 2,019 years. He goes on to say this. 
to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his crucifixion or passion, many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days and speaking things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And when they were therefore together, they asked him, said, Lord, wilt thou this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness under me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So he actually said to them, listen, don't go away from Jerusalem. I want you guys to go to Jerusalem. And we know that there was 120 in that upper room, 120 people in that upper room, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he said, don't leave until you're endued with power. What was the power? John 14, 12, Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also, and greater works will you'll do. So in 2,000 years from the day of Pentecost till now, Man, a lot has been forgotten. We are not called to conform to society. We are called to transform society. We do not have to be relatable. Come on, hello somebody. We don't have to be relatable. Come on, no, no, we're, we're ambassadors from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're full of the Holy Ghost. We're full of power. We have the answer to the world's hurting problems. There's enough power in this room to raise the dead. There's enough power in this room to cast out devils. There's enough power because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He goes on to say here, Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while he beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, two men stood by in white apparel, which were angels. And he said, you men of Galilee, why stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up before you into heaven, shall also come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem and the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went to the upper room. Now watch this. This upper room was not a house. It was in the temple. It was a prayer room in the temple. Where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and son of Zealot, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with the brethren and his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the, the number of names together were about 120. Now watch this. From the time that Jesus was ascended to the time it was Pentecost, they were there for 10 days. It wasn't like they were there for five years or three years. No, it was only 10 days. And there was 120 of them that were in that room. 
Peter goes on to say and says, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, which was the guide them and took Jesus, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now, this man purchased a field, and the reward of his iniquity, and falling headlong, or hanging himself, burst asunder in the midst, and his bowels gushed out. And it was known that all the dwellers of Jerusalem, and as much of the field, was called their proper tongue, Seldoma, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolated and no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another one take. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went out among us, beginning from the end of John, until thou as this day was taken from us, and must one be ordained to witness with us of the resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was their surname Justice and Matthias. And they prayed, and they said, Lord, which knows the hearts of all men, show whether of these two, these two that hast chosen. And when he had taken part of the ministry, apostleship, and which Judas by transgression fell, and then it might go into his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the twelve apostles. Now, Acts 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So these people in this situation was happening... In Jerusalem, because you have to understand, in Jewish tradition, they prayed three times a day. Nine o'clock in the morning, 12 noon, and three in the afternoon. So they would take a break from whatever they're doing, their labors, and they would all go to the temple, and they would say whatever prayers they would, and then they would go back doing their business. Because it was actually nine o'clock in the morning, this particular day on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so now the feast holiday started. Okay, which was a yearly event, and everybody from all the countries around about would make traveling to come to Jerusalem to worship. Luke goes on and he continues to write, and he says this in verse 1, Acts 2 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Now, isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 1, it said they were all in one accord in one place? Isn't that right? Okay, so, so there's something about being in one accord. That brings the power of God. There's something about worshiping. If you notice Benny Hinn, there's a very famous song that he sings all over the world, and it's universal. Any language can sing the song that I'm about to sing. Alleluia. Alleluia. Now, if it's in Spanish, it's... Alleluia. <laughs> Alleluia. <laughs> Alleluia is still the same Alleluia in Spanish. Alleluia is the same Alleluia in Chinese. Alleluia is the same Alleluia in Germany. Alleluia is the same in English. <laughs> <laughs> what is Benny Hinn doing? Getting unity. Because when you look at the book of Psalms 133, verse 1, it says how wonderful and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like oil that is poured upon the head of Aaron, which Aaron was symbolic of the church. Moses was symbolic of God Almighty. Aaron was symbolic of the church. And the Bible says that as the oil poured upon the head of Aaron, it went down to his beard and went down to his skirts. 
And we know that Aaron was the high priest, and we know that Jesus, his son, is the high priest, so therefore the body of Christ is the high priest. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says oil was poured upon it, and it said because of their unity there, God left a blessing. Isn't that true? Yeah. So isn't it interesting... That as we continue to read here, let's find out what happens. And it said, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Now I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. It says this, On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples gathered together in one place. Suddenly they heard a violent blast of wind rushing into the house out of the heavenly realm. The roar of wind was so overpowering... It was as if anyone could bear it. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they've never heard. So watch this. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, not only do you get a heavenly language, but the equipment, the equipping comes along with the Holy Ghost. So don't tell me you can't play the drums. Don't tell me you cannot play the guitar. Don't tell me you can't play the piano. Don't tell me you can't sing or sang, depending on what part of the country you're from. Because through the Holy Ghost, you can do all things. I've never had a drum lesson. I play by the Holy Ghost. He's the only one that helps me. I mean, I sing okay. I don't, I, mean, I, I won't clear a room. It's more than just a joyful noise. Praise God. You know, but I'm not the best singer. Marie's the best singer. Praise God. Amen. I mean, please forgive me if I just believe that nothing is impossible with them that believe. Hallelujah. Please forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I just believe that. I believe. It's whether you want to or you don't want to. That's what it is. Let me ask you. Can I ask this question? Anybody in here ever, ever desired to maybe play the piano, but you just really didn't? Okay, let me see your hand. Come on, keep your hand up. All right, keep your hand, put it down. Anybody in here ever really, like, maybe thought you'd like to play the guitar? Can I see your hand and maybe play the guitar? Anybody in here ever thought about maybe wanting to play the electric guitar? I mean, is there anybody who want to play the electric guitar? Okay, electric guitar, all right. How about maybe playing the bass? Anybody ever want to play the bass? Okay, play the bass. How about this? Anybody want to, how about playing the flute? Anybody thought about maybe playing the flute? Okay. How about anybody about playing maybe the violin? Anybody thought about playing the violin? Okay. So where do you think that thought came from, heaven or hell? Pastor Marie and I, God's given us the grace and mercy and ability to remove every excuse that you ever have. Praise God. <laughs> amen. We're going to remove every excuse. Yeah, I've had that thought. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. Glory to God. And I saw your hands raised. And so did God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so now you're held accountable for what you've desired in your heart and which God planted. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> I kind of drew you into that trap. I mean, I did. I know. I just kind of drew you. That was not fair, Pastor. God saw me raise my hand. 
<laughs> yeah, take it back. He says he gives you the equipment. The equipping comes with the Holy Ghost in which you're endued with. So if you've ever had the thought, it certainly didn't come from hell, from the devil. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to make a joyful noise. You know, just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because I like to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. said the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. Amen. So it comes from here. Out of here. I'm just convinced there's nothing I cannot do. I can do all things through the anointing who strengthens me and gives me strength. Amen. My wife gave me a compliment the other day. She said, you're the smartest man I know. I said, you got that right. <laughs> no, I just figured if I can't do it, then I'm going to go to YouTube and figure out how to do it. Praise God. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Now, if it has to do with, you know, maybe something mechanical that has to do with machinery, and you got to machine parts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, okay, there you go. you got to do whatever you got to do. But, man, I think sometimes we limit our own selves. And we shouldn't limit our own selves. God wants to tell you, listen, if you're going to live life, live it to the fullest. Amen. If you're spending your life every single day, make sure you do it to the fullest. I mean, over these years, I've just, I'm discovering that God is absolutely humongous. You know, sometimes man has a, an idea that you just, you know, like if you're called to the ministry, that's all you have to do. You can't, you've got to stay with your calling. you just got to do that. That's all you have to do. And I, I'm thinking, wow, man, so many people are not showing up for work. And those that are showing up for work, they seemingly have to do more than what others aren't doing. Hello, somebody. So sometimes you've got to wear more than one hat. I've heard for years this preaching about, you know, there are senders and there are goers. 
those that make the money, and then those that go to the mission field. I thought to myself, I don't want to be just a sender or a goer. I want to be both. I want to be a sender and a goer. For years, oh, Dr. Jack, you know, you kind of think outside the box. You're just, you're just one of those kind of thinkers. I don't have a box. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I don't, think, I don't have a box. Listen, if I'm going to stand on a platform and preach to 60,000 people and I come back home and there's a toilet clogged in the, in the men's restroom, guess what I'm going to do? Grab a plunger. Preach on a platform in front of 60,000 people, see miracle signs and wonders, and then the next week, grab a toilet plunger. When did we ever stop serving? Come on, how long, when, when did we ever thought? You know, I, I heard a long time ago, Daniel King said this. He said, you know, Dr. Jack, when I appreciate you, you're not a B-mog. B-mog. I was like, B-mog? Big man of God. Praise God. Amen. A B-mog. It was really interesting when I did it, when we did the our Haiti crusade. It was interesting because when um, they came and picked us up from the airport, uh, we rode on the same bus that everybody, and they didn't know who we were. Okay, and so they didn't know that we were one of the crusaders. So we're on the bus, right? And then when we get off the bus. I'm loading water and all that kind of stuff, and and things like that, and you know, and and then all of a sudden, one of the persons that was on the bus said, well, where are you from? And I said, well, we're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, that's good. And I, What's your name? I said, Jack Myers. And they, they stopped. You're, you're one of the crusaders? I said, yeah. Oh. Well, um, I just got to apologize. What do you mean you got to apologize? I was just thinking, you know, all these BMOGs, these big men of gods, they're all in their hotel rooms, and they're not even helping us, and here you are unloading the water. I, rep- I repent. You're passing judgment. Come on, hello somebody. What did Jesus say? He said, the greatest among you will be your, your servant. Right. So when you take a look at the original plan for the church, you can see that God, when He poured out His Spirit in Acts chapter 2, it's the way we're supposed to live. We weren't supposed to Conform to the changing of society, what the people want. But no, no, you got to give them the word of God. Whether they take it or not, it's up to them. Whether they run with it or not, it's up to them. I mean, I was kind of wondering, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes a miracle doesn't take place because maybe God wants you to get more of the word inside you. Sometimes the miraculous doesn't happen because maybe you're just like one of the ten lepers. As they went, they were healed, and only one came back to give thanks. I mean, sometimes you just got to kind of wonder. I remember Dr. Dufresne, he said this because we went to one of the meetings in Chicago, and he actually went to the Lord, and he said, well, if, if, if Dr. Jack and Pastor Reed come back tonight, Lord, I'll impart to them. He actually told that. And all of a sudden, we showed up that night, and all the 40-something, five years of ministry, he only laid hands on two people to impart the prophet's office. I was one of them, and I don't know who the other. He's, he actually stood up and said, in 45 years, I've only done this one other time. And he said, I actually prayed, and I said, Lord, if they come back tonight, I'll be obedient, and I'll do that. And he laid hands on me. I, I seem to be sharing a whole heck of a lot more things, too. I mean, I've never shared some of this stuff. I mean, if you've been here the last Sunday nights, so there's some of the stuff I haven't shared. But it seems to be that time. 
I remember Jesus said to his disciples, he said, there are so many things I wanted to say to you, but I couldn't. I heard Brother Hagin say there were so many things. But it seems like as we're living in these last days, the mysteries of revelation of God's word is being revealed to all those that have eyes to see and ears to hear and will run with the fire of God. Why is that? Because there's coming and there now is already false prophets in the body of Christ. And in parts, some parts of the world, they're doing extraordinary, extraordinary signs and wonders and miracles. And they're actually deceiving the elect. We have a lot of great orators in the body of Christ today, especially in the United States of America, that can just preach people underneath the table. But man, when it comes to the power of God, please, please, please do not mistake charisma for the anointing. Please. Please don't mistake charisma or a great oration for the anointing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Are there preachers or are they performers? Great orators, great illustrations, great things. And people are like birds. Oh, ooh, ha, ah, ooh. But they don't even remember the sermons unless they use a super soaker. Unless they use a super soaker. Or they use some kind of a prop or something like that that entertains people constantly. Got awful quiet in here. The train's going by. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> no, you got to be careful. got to be careful. If there, if there are messages that only you ever hear that only make you feel good and it causes no conviction. Amen. No conviction. They're just messages to make me feel. Make me feel good. Make me feel good because I feel like crap every single week. Make me feel good. But it causes no conviction or it causes no change. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, In the last days, people will heap to themselves teachers with itching ears to their own liking. They will be flooded to them. Because all they do is make me feel good. Make me feel good about myself. My life is crap. Make me feel good. But it never causes conviction and it never causes change. Be careful. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, was he not? Righteousness means right standing with God or God's ways of doing and being right. He preached for 120 years. Did you know that? 120 years. And, all, and you know what his message was? Rain's coming. Rain's coming. Rain. Rain is coming. It's coming. Rain's coming. Get right with the Lord. Rain's coming. Rain. What are you doing? What is that? Is that your house? What's, what's some of the famous things that are out today, you know? Next house, you know, is it you get you get to win the next house thing, whatever it is. It's a television program. It's a series or something. What is it? Huh? Is it HTV house giveaway kind of thing? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They build these houses and all that kind of stuff, and it's just the most immaculate houses and everything, and you just got to pay taxes on it. Praise God. <laughs> or something like that, right? So all of a sudden, people are saying, no, what are you building? Oh, it's the next house. Praise God. Amen. It's my next house. Well, it kind of looks weird. How many rooms? Well, it's got like so many rooms and hundreds of rooms. And wow, it's got like five stories. Yeah, it's got five stories. It's the best apartment complex. Believe me, you want to get on. I'm going to tell you right now, you want to rent a room. I'm going to rent a room. Praise God. Amen. You want to get one. Why are you doing that? Well, because of rain's coming. Rain's coming. 
Isn't that right? Yeah, hello, right? Yeah, rain's coming. I, lately I've been feeling like Noah. Former in the latter rain's coming. Former in the latter rain's coming. Former, come on, get on the boat. You got to get on the boat, man. There's a flood that's coming from heaven. Hello, it's coming. From, actually, I know where it's coming from. I know the direction. It's the east side of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 47. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to be ankle deep. And then it's going to be knee deep. And then it's going to be waist deep. And then it's going to be a river you can swim in. You better, rain's coming. Rain's coming. <laughs> We might even be getting a little bit of a sprinkling right now. Maybe a misting of the former and the latter rain together. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak languages that they'd never heard. Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who are neighbors of serene visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We do hear them speaking of the God's mighty wonders in our own dialect. So watch this. When you pray in tongues, you pray in a heavenly language, you're speaking the mighty works of God. You're speaking the, the, the wonders of God. I remember when I was in the country of Honduras, and we were ministering in a church of about 3,000, and, and they had like a, a, a compound, a missionary compound, and I was walking across the compound, and then came my praise and worship leader. I mean, my interpreter, excuse me. And so she's walking with me through the courtyard, and I, and I said, well, do you mind if I just pray in tongues a little bit, you know, before the service? She said, sure. So I start praying in tongues. All of a sudden, she grabs my arm and says, excuse me, do, do you speak French? I said, no. She, I said, I speak French. She said, I speak English, and I speak Spanish. I said, really? She said, I just heard you say in the most perfect French dialect I've ever heard. I said, what did I say? She said, you said that God was a mighty warrior. There are no enemies that can defeat him. He defeats his foe in every war, everything, and he maintains victory. I thought, my God, let me pray some, let me pray some more. Let me pray for more. He's a mighty warrior. There is no foe that can defeat him. Come on, somebody. There is no foe. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? Amen. Amen. Nothing. No foe can be against you. Why is that? Because you're seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places in that seat of authority. Can you say amen? amen? That's good news. I like good news. Amen. Now watch what happens here. In verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Watch this. Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Or they are intoxicated. When you get full of beer, what happens to you? You get what? Intoxicated. So something must have happened to the individual when the fire of God fell in that upper room to 120 people. There was a visible evidence. Something appeared like a flame of fire. It sat on each one of the people that were in the upper room. And not only that, it was a mighty sound. It was a sound of a tempest blast. It was a sound. It wasn't blowing like a hurricane. It sounded like a hurricane. A train wasn't going through the temple. It sounded like a train going through the temple. 
it got everybody's attention. And then he recorded that every man out of every nation was represented there. So every person, at least one from every nation at that time, was in the temple, hello, worshiping on the day of Pentecost. Wow. And then it says that they began to speak in other dialects in which they did not know because they were all Galileans. And that's the reason why they said, how is it that we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? Are not all these Galileans? So they spoke the Galilean language. Maybe a few of them may have spoken some other languages because we know the Apostle Paul spoke several languages. He spoke Hebrew. He spoke Greek. He also spoke Aramaic. The, the Passion Translation of the Bible is written in Aramaic. It's the translation of the Aramaic in which Paul spoke and understood so it was a supernatural thing. So they were speaking for a foreign language to themselves. They didn't understand it, but those that were around them totally understood because they said, we hear them speaking about the wonderful works of God. So therefore, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're speaking the wonderful works of God over the, any situation that you are, you're facing Amen. or believing God for. And it goes on to say here, Others mocking said these men are full of the night. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea, we're in verse 14, Acts 2, 14, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is about the third hour of the day. The Amplified says nine o'clock in the morning. So if you go to Numbers chapter 21, verses 15, 15 through 17, and it said they went to the place called beer, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, and when you drink beer in the natural and you drink more, a lot of it, you get drunk, right? Then you go to Isaiah 29, 9, where Isaiah is prophesying actually about the day of Pentecost. Right? Isaiah 29, verse 9. Stop and wonder at this prophecy if you choose. Whether you understand it or not, soon you will witness the actual event and be confounded reluctantly. Blind yourself. Blind yourself. Blind yourself. Then be blinded at the actual occurrence. They are drunk, but not from wine. They stagger from strong, not from strong drink, but from spiritual stupor. Spiritual stupor. So what happened? The church started out drunk in the Holy Ghost. How fun is that? They started out, the church of Jesus Christ, 120 of them, got intoxicated, all of them, under the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And isn't it interesting, the prophet Isaiah said, stop and wonder at this prophecy, whether you understand it or not. How many times have you heard, I just don't understand that. Falling on the floor. I just don't understand that. Falling out of the seat. They're laughing uncontrollably. I just don't understand that. Intoxic. What do you mean drunk in the Holy Ghost? What is that? What is that? Stop and wonder at this prophecy. Prophecy. Isaiah prophesying of something that was going to take place 400 years later. Isaiah is the one who prophesied Jesus coming, the Messiah. There are 66 books in Isaiah. I mean chapters. 66 chapters in Isaiah. There are 66 books in our Bible. Isaiah was a major, major prophet of God. And he says, stop and wonder at this. What do you see, Isaiah? I see them in the upper room drunk. Praise God. Amen. But it's not on the natural stuff. It's on the Holy Ghost stuff. 
Why is it that the world, Monday through Saturday, now Monday through Friday, they go to happy hour? At about 3 o'clock in the office, they start talking about, well, you're, you're, going you're going to O'Brady's? Oh, yeah, I'm going to O'Brady's. Oh, we're getting a group of people and we're going to O'Brady's. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to have happy hour. The hotel I was staying in Texas a few, a few weeks ago, I walked downstairs and it had, they had a sign. Happy hour from 5 to 6, bar closes at 12. So I came down, you know, getting ready to go to the meeting and stuff like that. They were going to pick me up about 6 o'clock, meeting starts at 7. Sure enough, I hear that. You know, why do drunk people get really loud? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, they're the loudest thing ever. If not, come to a Kinsietta with us. Praise God. Amen. Come to a Kinsietta. We've got plenty in the month of June. I mean, you know what a Kinsietta is. Okay. If you don't know what a Kinsietta is, it's when someone turns 15, but they serve alcohol at your party. Praise God. Amen. So, my, my officers, we prevent drunk people from getting in their car. And thank God, you know. And we haven't had any instance, and we won't have any. Praise God. Amen. I, I think it's because they just don't like James and Matt. And, or Jesse. I'm not really sure which one it is, but they, they, they probably all three. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, all three. Amen. <laughs> James asked me, Pastor, what do you want me to do? I said, draw your weapon. Draw down on him. He said, well, I was thinking about throwing him in the pool. I said, that would be all right. Praise God. Amen. In my house. Throw him in the pool. He said, it was either the lake or the pool. I'm not really sure. Because I'm... Woo! <laughs> <laughs> So they started out drunk. The church started out drunk, intoxicated, full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello, somebody. Drunk, drunk in the Holy Ghost. The church did. Thank you, babe. This does not mean Vulcan. It means victory. Praise God. Amen. How many of y'all have the victory in here? Can I see your hand? Praise God. Got the victory. <clears throat> this, this is fundamental church doctrine right here. Right? Simple. Not hard. Oh, no, Dr. Jack, not another night with joy in it. I mean, really? I mean, can we have another? Oh, oh, my God. You mean we get to be happy in the church? I mean, really? I mean, not another, not another night with joy, Pastor. We just, we just, there's too much joy down there. He said, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All means all. That means Baptist flesh, Pentecostal flesh, non-denominational flesh, Presbyterian flesh, Lutheran flesh. Episcopalian flesh. First Ebenezer Church, first missionary of the South African group church, whatever church it is. I'm a poor up. 
<laughs> Did you know there's the first, the first missionary Baptist Ebenezer? Have you all ever heard of that? Yeah, it's, yeah, right over here. The, <laughs> you drive by it all the time. The first Baptist Ebenezer, second removed missionary church. Something like that. <laughs> Even them. I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. What is this? It's the blueprint of the church. It's the blueprint of the church. Whether we understand it or not. A lot of people, they're missing out. Especially if today, you know, you know that, that article you read that today, you know, out of 7 billion people, there are two main things that people are upset with. They're, they're angry, right? And they're depressed. Isn't that right? Angry and depressed. They, they face anger and depression every single... How much more should the joy be poured out on, on, upon flesh? Right? Angry and depressed. Now, see, there, there's some keys to getting this. One, you've got to believe it. You've got you to operate by faith. Number two, you've got to have a desire to want it. Number three, there's got to be unity. So there are, there are things here. There's things in here that create all of that, not disunity, division. Come on, hello, somebody. Worship will bring the joy. The Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, there's fullness of joy. So where, if there's a manifestation of joy, just like there can be a manifestation of, of depression, manifestation of depression is what? Tears, crying, close the door, close all the curtains, yeah, turn the lights off, right? Sit in the corner with your banky <laughs> and, cry, and, and cry, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Okay, that's a sign of depression. Can't work. Sometimes anxiety, fear, sleeping all the time. Wow, I mean, that's escapism, escapism. Hours upon hours upon hours of television. It's escapism. Can't can't cope with life. And then people want to criticize the joy. I I don't understand. I don't understand that. I can read to you scripture after scripture that when the disciples were persecuted, the Bible says that they left with joy. You, you, don't, you don't think that the disciples with Jesus ever got drunk in the Holy Ghost? They got drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, the anointing exuberated from Jesus. And it was 100%. It wasn't just a small portion. Twenty seventeen. Right? It was when the report came out or something like that. Or they compared 2017 to 2019. What was the increase? It's still, it's still that high. Or even higher. Right? No reduction. No reduction. Okay, get this. Ready for this? The psychiatrist and the scientist can no longer do anything with medicine to match the chemical makeup of the human body. So in other words, they can't go any further to help suppress depression. They've, they've reached the pinnacle. There's no more research. There's no, they've done all the research. And the medications that they have currently right now, they've actually don't have anything. So what they're doing is they're repackaging it and presenting it differently. 
because they've done everything all these years. They can't find any, they can't find any other substance to help with depression. They've come to the end of that. Except you and I. Amen. We have the answer. Amen. So he goes on to say, And Peter standing with them, you men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known to you in these, these words, for these are not drunk, you suppose, but it's about the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. On your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And upon my servants and upon my handmaids, I will pour out those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. How many blood red moons have we had in the last five, to six years? Three, four? Four of them, right? We've had, how many? Five. We've had five blood red moons in the last four years, five years. How many solar eclipses have we had? Two, three? Two, I think. Two. So we've had five blood red moons and two solar eclipses in the last five years. Let me read this verse again to you. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord shall come. Let me read it one more time to you. The sun shall be turned into darkness, solar eclipse, and the moon into blood, the blood river, before the great and notable day of the Lord shall come. Before the day the Lord will come, the moon will be turned into blood and the solar eclipses. Along with that is an outpouring. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine towards an excess, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Or be being filled, but rather be filled with the Spirit. That's probably the reason why in the last few weeks I've been talking about how to increase the presence of God in your life. You've got to spend time with them. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to, you've got to do these. You've got to increase. You've got to increase the relationship. James says if you draw close to God, you draw close to God. He will draw close to you. So there's a, an indication that we have to begin to walk in that direction. You've got to walk in that direction. And if you read the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2 all the way to like Acts 16, I think it is, chapter 16, then you'll see the progressiveness of the church and the advancement of the church. You see it went from 120 to 3,120, from 3,120 to 8,120, and for the last 2,000 years there's been billions upon billions of people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost and so many miracle signs and wonders. That's what he said, greater works will you do. So it's greater in number. There's no, no greater the work than someone getting born again. There's no greater work than raising somebody from the dead. Hello, somebody. But it, greater in number, greater in number. He said, greater works will you do. Amen. 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 And you have to be careful today that we all keep our hearts right or we'll be taken out. And you can't, be, you can't afford to be taken out in these last days. I'm, I'm serious. can't be taken out. 
You've got to stay. You've got to run your race. You've got to finish your course. You've got to stay with the Word, and you've got to stay with the Spirit. And if you stay with the Word and you stay with the Spirit, then things will change. Now, the anointing is something that we minister that is unseen. You can't see the anointing of God. I thank God for the joy of the Lord. I thank God for miracles and signs and wonders. And sometimes if you just, you just got to press in, and God wants to see if you're really going to press in or not. Mm, that's true. I mean, it is. He's just going to see if you're going to press in and touch the hem of his garment. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed in. Blind Bartimaeus shouted. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree. So there's got to be a pressing. You've got to press. You've got to press. You've got to press into that. You've got to press into God. Until you enter into a press, you can't get any oil or juice. The olive press. You're the olive and the, the press is the press of life. And you're pressing out selfishness. You're pressing out self-preservation. You're dying to yourself. You're picking up the cross every single day. You're crucifying your flesh. You can't get any wine until you, the, wine, the, the berries are put into a press. Isn't that right? Yeah. And then that's where the, the wine begins to flow. So that pressure is going to come. When pressure comes, the pressures of life, how are you going to react or are you going to respond? That's, that's, where, that's, that's, that's the condition right there. Amen. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a really good word, isn't it? Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.